Good morning. I love sharing this message with the Kairos kids. And Kairos kids, we have some crowns for you. And there's color packets out in the welcome area if you need a color packet. They have all kinds of fun activities. But since we're all in here together, I may need your help throughout the message today. Friends, on this communion Sunday, I'm excited to be here to to explore this Palm Sunday message further as we also explore the last message in our series in Lifeline as we're trusting in the life that God has provided and as we lean into our life of prayer. So on this Palm Sunday, as we're completing this series, we also remember that prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a conversation back and forth with God. So, so we talk to him and we listen. <clears throat> our lifeline is our connection. We see many of the Psalms are actually prayers that David prayed to God. And here in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, we see Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. So if you have your Bible with you or a device, I invite you to open it up to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. I'm going to clear my voice for just a second, my friend back there. Those spring colds and allergies are getting me. All right. So friends, prayer and the Lord's prayer is not a secret formula. The Lord's prayer has six petitions. The first three are us coming before God, acknowledging who he is. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And the next three are us seeking him. Us coming before him, recognizing our dependence on God. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. And a doxology, a closing was added when we say the Lord's Prayer. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And friends, this is where I want to rest today. This is where I want to explore what does it mean to say amen, not just in this doxology, but in this prayer as Jesus taught us. I want to ask, how do we come back to this prayer again and again as our lifeline? And what happens when we start trying to manage these places on our own? When we try to provide for ourselves our our own bread, our own way of being. Trying to control what forgiveness looks like. Ignoring Jesus' words of avoiding temptations he's called us away from. Doing things our own way instead of trusting and living into his kingdom, his power, his glory. Amen. And as I was thinking about people's responses in that Palm Sunday story, as they laid their palm branches down, they had different expectations, didn't they? And I wonder if that's true of us today. Do we say the Lord's Prayer while resting in our own strength, leaning on our own strength instead of his power? Do we say the Lord's Prayer Well, we develop our own expectations of what our life should look like instead of building into the kingdom. Do we say the Lord's Prayer and follow our own ideas instead of adding and sharing his glory? And what happens in that space between when we say amen 
and we still hold our own expectations. What happens there? Friends, will you pray with me this morning? Father God, we're grateful that you have given us this lifeline, this connection to you, that we can pray this prayer that so many have prayed before us. But Lord, help us see where we fall short, where we can adjust our attitudes, our our ways of being to come into alignment with you, to trust your lifeline, to trust the connection that you give us. Lord, teach us. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. So preparing for this had me thinking about my own expectations I've had over my lifetime. When I was in high school, I really wanted to be a doctor. I had found a school. I was going to get a degree in pharmacy as my undergrad, go on to medical school. And my ultimate dream job was not just to be a doctor, but to be the team doctor for the New York Mets. Yes, I am a huge Mets fan, and I will testify to that with my shoes I am wearing today. Huge Mets fan. Love the Mariners. Love my Mets, too. Baseball season, we've got it. So I had plans to go to college right out of high school, and those didn't work out. Huge story of God at work in my life, but I didn't go to college right out of school. In fact, my life turned a completely different direction. And that was hard for me to reconcile between my hopes and where I really was in reality. I had different expectations, even in my first ministry role. I expected to be in ministry. I felt God had called me to ministry. And then after the church went through three church splits in three years, my position was eliminated. And I cried out, God, you called me. What? What? And now... I will say I'm in those upper 40 years where I'm just like, what the what? Huh? Jesus, this is the plan that I thought the direction we were going. And here's reality of where I'm at. What? Look at that picture you've had in your mind and your reality. Do you start wrestling with that? I wonder if that's true for anyone here today. Kind of happens sometimes in this season of life we call midlife and midlife crisis where we wrestle with that reality and the picture we had in our mind. We get this view of what we think life should look like. More money, I should be earning more, I should have more status, a bigger house at this point, better vacations. I should be able to travel and have freedom. I should have arrived at my life by now. But sometimes our reality ends up feeling lacking. Some of us might know this really well. Our expectations, our best laid plans versus reality. It wasn't the plan to lose a job. It wasn't the plan to lose a loved one. It wasn't a plan to lose a business. It wasn't a plan to lose a house. It wasn't the plan to get a cancer diagnosis wasn't the plan to have an ongoing illness. It wasn't the plan to be involved in a debilitating accident that plagues us again and again. We want to be in this high place shouting Hosanna, and often we feel distant from God or maybe even forgotten by God. But this is the opportunity that we get to come back to our lifeline again and again, where we get to come back to Jesus and to the Lord's prayer. Let's look at that now. 
This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we have, as we have been forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And as we return to the Lord's prayer, we seek Jesus through reading scripture, coming back to his word, through having conversations with other believers, through listening for the Holy Spirit. And so we look to the promises of God. And I want to rest here in these promises, look at these promises of Jesus, that we cling to his truth, his promises. We find some of those right here in the Lord's Prayer. We pray, give us today our daily bread. We trust that he knows what we need. He is our provider. But sometimes we have to get honest between our wants and our needs, right? We want a lot of great things, but what is it God wants to provide for us? And so I ask the question, are we holding tight to our wants as a higher priority than a relationship with Jesus? Than listening for his words and seeking his truth. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Same God, right? The lyrics we sang just a bit ago, he is the same God. Another promise. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who, for, who sinned against us. We are quick to apologize, quick to seek peace. Or do we distance ourselves from those who have hurt us, those who have offended us? Or do we ask forgiveness just to take a measure of shame and guilt off of us? not really in repairing relationship? Are we controlling what forgiveness looks like or are we trusting in the promises of Jesus? Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I remember a time when I was holding so tight to unforgiveness I felt like I had been wronged. It was in that season after I'd been released from that first church, the way things happened. I was hurt. I was hurt by pastors. I was hurt by church. I felt justified in that hurt and holding on to that. And it was starting to form into a bitterness. And Jesus showed me a spot of joy in life and helped me realize I would rather seek Jesus and that joy he wants to provide than holding on to this unforgiveness. I immediately sat down and wrote letters to three people that I had been holding grief against and asked for forgiveness for holding that and for my part in it. We restored, we repaired relationship there. Another promise God gives us here is deliver us from temptation. We ask Jesus to help us recognize the sin that separates us from a holy God. Or do we set our standards of what's okay, what's okay to walk into based on culture around us? 
Are we seeking Jesus and his truth and promises? Or are we looking at those simple sins, those minor sins, and saying, well, I'm not as bad as that person, so I'm okay. Right? Romans 8, 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We trust and we pray these promises and we're returning to our lifeline. We're returning to the heart of God. And as we practice these promises, we're modeling a Christian life for those around us. We're helping them know and see God in and through us. And as we trust in Jesus' promises, I believe that helps us stand in confident expectation. I love this word, confident expectation. We stand confidently trusting that Jesus hears our prayers and will answer our prayers. Now, sometimes we don't see immediate results, but we know he hears us. He will respond and we continue to pray and we continue to listen for the Holy Spirit. We come before him with prayer and petition, praying continually, devoting ourselves to prayer, standing confidently in that. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4, 2, pray yourselves. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And we still trust Jesus when we don't get the answer right away in the timing we want. His answers are always yes, no, or maybe not yet. And we have to listen to that instead of controlling it on our own. We stand in confident expectation knowing Jesus hears our prayers. And I have to ask, can we still proclaim he is good when the answer is no? Can we still say he is good and stand confidently in his promises when his answer for us is no? When a loved one passes away too soon, when the diagnosis we weren't expecting arrives, when we find ourselves in financial trouble, when we're hurt by someone we didn't think would ever hurt us, and we turn to God in prayer and we don't get the answer we want, is he still good? Is it still his kingdom and his power and his glory? Do we hold tightly to our own expectations of the way we think it should be? Do we turn our backs to the Heavenly Father who hears our prayers, who knows us so intricately? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When we stand in confident expectation, and pray continually, trusting the promises of God, our lives become a constant prayer. Our lives become an amen. We can say amen, not just with our words, but in our actions, in the way we live our lives. Amen Amen means so be it. Yes, Lord. It's us trusting the word of God is unquestionably true. 
It's trusting God will hear and act on our prayers. In prayer, it's not about what we should pray. It's not a formula for how we should pray. It's not a a secret language that, that only certain people who pray that way will be heard by God. But it's that Jesus is praying for us and with us right now. Amen. Amen, friends. Jesus, the word who was made flesh, the word who is among us, the word who created us, is among us, is teaching us, is directing our words back to God even now. He is with us. So our lives become an amen as we trust Jesus' provision for our needs. As we stop controlling other people's responses and our own responses when we've been hurt, when we've been wronged. And instead we say, Jesus, show me. Lead me. Help me find answers in your word. Help me have conversations with other Christians that direct me back to your word, that join us together in prayer, that we together listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit who directs us, informs us, that helps us see the provision you're providing, God. We say, show me. And we extend grace to those around us as well because Jesus extended much grace. We look to him for how we should walk. And then we walk in it. We follow that. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. To God's glory. We trust him. It's not about us and our expectations. It's about seeking him and staying in that lifeline. Staying in prayer with him. Now, friends, we get in trouble when we cling tighter to those unmet needs. Those unsaid expectations. Especially when we hang on to those more than we hang on to Jesus. We pray sometimes without listening for his response, without coming back to scripture. Or sometimes we pray hollow words. Has somebody ever asked you to do something and you're like, mm, let me pray about that. When inside your answer is, uh, no. Do you ever actually go and pray? Or are you using those hollow words? We ask. We get in trouble when we ask out of alignment with God's will. And to know his will, to know his promises. Again, we come back to scripture. We have conversations with one another, with other Christians, seeking his truth. We spend time together and alone with our Father in heaven who knows every need. And as we come back to this Palm Sunday, friends, we know more of the story. We have scripture here. We don't know the end of the story yet, right? But those Christians, those early followers of Jesus... They were expecting him to be this mighty warrior. They didn't know the end of the story that was coming later in the week. And can you imagine how they felt as Jesus was put to death on a cross? Lost? I thought you were going to come and save us and you're dead? They didn't get the bigger work that God was doing in their lives and in the lives of those to come who would believe in Jesus. So even in our own lives, as Jesus says 
No, or not yet. What is the bigger work God is doing in our lives? We also know in this Palm Story, Palm Sunday story, that Jesus is providing a way to not only find him, but to follow him. For our lives to continually be this amen, sharing his truth with others around us. He's not hiding away in some lofty secret prayer life. Just as he wasn't on some lofty warrior horse coming in to save the people in that way. Instead, he teaches us, he models for us, he invites us into a life of prayer focused on him. He invites us into that lifeline to walk in humility, to walk in humbleness, to love and serve those around us. He meets us in our needs just as we cling to him in prayer so that we proclaim yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, will you pray with me? Father God, help us set aside our expectations. Help us look closely at where we've gone off on our own way. Hem us in. Call us back. And as Christians, may we do that for one another as we support and care and serve and love one another. When life doesn't go the way we thought it would, or or Jesus, when you say no and we're hurt and wounded, God, would you be there for us? Would you hold us? Would you call us back to yourself and into your ministry, into your life, and into your love? Jesus, may yours be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Friends, as we respond today, one more story I want to share with you. I told you about being called out of ministry And having this season of waiting, I was angry with God at that moment too. I stomped my feet like a toddler several times. I threw a big fit and I listened. He called me into a ministry caring for moderate to severely disabled and medically fragile children. And I still called out, God, why have you called me out of ministry? And it was through conversation with other Christians, with family, through prayer that I realized I was serving what some consider to be the least of these. I was still serving God. He had a bigger picture for me then. He has a bigger picture for us now. We can proclaim yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So as we respond to Jesus today, we get to come. We get to receive communion. We get to join with him and other Christians in coming around the table in his promises and his truth. And in just a moment after we receive communion, there's also response stations at the back here. There's two tables. And the prompts as we continue to add to this pray board here as we're becoming this community that seeks God and our lifeline of prayer. What what one word maybe describes an expectation you need to let go of? Where do you need to release an expectation to choose Jesus And then the other invitation is to simply hold one of those tiles. Say the Lord's Prayer. Ask a prayer of forgiveness. Ask Jesus to be with you. 
Trust him. And as you close your prayer, write amen on that tile and put that in the basket. He hears our prayers. He is with us. And it is his kingdom and his power and his glory that we lean into. Amen.